Last week, Kim uh, laid down the four types of love that are used in the common Greek vernacular of the time. Greek at that time was called Koine Greek. And so uh, modern Greek is a little bit different just as our, our English is considerably different than what we would read in uh, the, the, the Old King James Bible or Shakespearean. Languages change, but I've talked to people who speak Greek and shared with them various words in Koine and they, and they were similar. And uh, so there were four main words that we looked at for love. Uh, we were thinking about playing, you know, like Dionne Warwick, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for one, but for everyone. We don't need another mountain. We've got mountains, you know, and so we're not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> and I'll keep my day job. <laughs> But there are four different descriptive terms for love from Koine. Eros, which is romantic love. A lot of people think that you go to church and that's the end of Eros. I really think that your Eros, your romantic love, is enhanced by covenantal love. Uh, I find that, that people, I mean, you can, you can be real erotic in worldly terms, you know, and uh, I'm not going to go into that because, one, I don't know anything about it. And number two, there are certain things I don't want to know about. But we all know that, that pornography and all kinds of sinful sexual behaviors have been applauded as being fulfilling. And, and they end up leaving you with sand in your mouth. They don't fulfill you. But having someone that God gives you as your lifetime mate is very, very beautiful, and it's very, very satisfying, and it's long-term. And so Kim and I, uh, we're gonna go ahead and celebrate, you know. Uh, we've been married for 39 years now, and uh, so we're gonna continue to. People ask me, what do I, uh, you know, what do I attribute the long marriage to? And I said, she hasn't left me yet. And uh, so anyway, but we're going to stay on our honeymoon because you need, you need romance. Guys, let me give you a tip. If you're trying to court a girl and you go up and say, I really find you unattractive and actually quite ugly, but God has told me to marry you, that probably won't work well, okay? Okay, it's not good. Whether or not Jesus is putting you together, it kind of feels good to be desired by your mate, that, that you know, you, you find her beautiful and loving. And so please don't compromise, you know. Make sure you really have that romantic love. Number two is philia or phileo, which is friendship love. The term philosophy means love of Sophia, of wisdom, philosophy, philosophy, love of wisdom, Philadelphia, brotherly love. And so uh, having uh, fondness and solical connections, uh, most of your really dear friends are something in the realm of phileo where you've broken bread, you've got acquired memories. We were just spending some time yesterday with uh, my good friend Terry and Debbie and, and uh, I've been running with Terry. We knew each other in second grade and uh, we started running uh, together as thick as thieves 
uh, since we were 11 years old. And that, so obviously we have a lot of shared memories and care. Then the third area is called storge or storge, which is family love. And astorgos means uh, against natural affection. Uh, I, I receive a, you know, a, a newsletter called faithit.com. And, uh, and so uh, there was an article, I didn't open it because I've opened up some of these and they're so disgusting, they're revolting. But it, it's, it's a woman uh, filmed the abortion of her twins. And, and, and I, I'm just saying that we need to pray for the world because when, when a culture loses, uh, when they move into astorgos, meaning against family inclination. I don't know about you, but uh, it breaks my heart if you can get a hold of the, a copy of Unplanned and, and, and watch it. But when, we, when I think of uh, abortion, uh, killing a little baby, and everyone's talking about life, life, it's pro-choice, it's the life of the mother. But let me just say this, there's also another independent little life there. And I found over the years, dozens of people in our own church that would adopt a baby. They don't care, they don't, it's not color consideration, black, white, yellow, red, they'll take them. And so we're in a, um, a situation with the drug addiction and the sensuality and the idolatry where people are moving in astorgos, they're going against family love. So it's, it's right to have family love. It's right to love your babies. It's right to love one another in the house of God. A lot of people come and they say, what's the secret sauce to what makes joy work? Well, part of it is, is because we don't want you lonely. We don't want you just scattered and just come in here and kind of, we're like the hot dog stand. We're not like a hot dog stand. We're much more than that. We have set down dinners. We, we, we really want storge among us that not only do we want the agape, God's love, get you saved, get you to heaven, but we also want to put up with your stinky feet. And we want to put up with your intermittent bad attitudes. I don't know about you, I, I, I have intermittent bad attitudes, especially when I'm hangry. But storge, when you're family, there's a lot of... It's a complete different way that you process each other. Then the fourth one, which we're going to be looking at is agape, God's love. This week, we're gonna to continue to dial into the unmatchable, overwhelming, pure, and irreducible love of God. It is his agape love. I'd like to take you and maybe my sisters just in their agreement can kind of share something that's very dear to us, and that was how my mom and dad found Jesus Christ and my dad was delivered from demon possession. But the story goes way back to when my dad was in his 30s and he had, had polio and, and, uh, and what was the other thing, Cindy? He was 23 when that happened? Okay, yeah, because Sharon was a baby, I'm sorry. So he was in his mid, early 20s, but he was hit with polio and what was the other disease? TB? thought it was TB or just polio. I was going to expand this story and make it better. Uh, that's why you need a woman around you to correct you. No, honey. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Cindy. So dad was in his mid-20s, and, um, and he got hit with polio. 
and literally um, went through a death experience here at the old Medford Hospital. And uh, he was just a heathen, um, beer drinking, you know, fist fighting, heathen, you know. And uh, so when he was laying in, in the hospital, he began to sense his, his soul lifted out of his body and he heard these voices, which wouldn't be typical of Christ coming to receive you. They said, come with us, Gene. And as far as we can tell, that those would be the demonic voices to harvest another soul for hell. And so dad had been racked in, in pain with this polio. And uh, he looked, at, you know, as his soul was lifting out of his body, he looked back and he could see himself all unshaven, but the pain was leaving him as he comes out, but he's crying out, no, 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 I don't want to go. I don't want to leave June and Sharon. And uh, meanwhile, uh, while dad was there in, in East Medford at the old hospital, my granny on my mom's side, they lived right, right near here, near the county fairgrounds here. There were some houses back there and Granny had about 10 kids or so, and she'd be, you know, doing the laundry in the old-fashioned way and with the ringer and all, and she'd be talking in tongues, and she would do that. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, your, your son-in-law's dying right now. Go to him. He's going to go to death's door but not cross over. And so... She grabbed uh, one of my uncles, Uncle Walt, that was available, and they drove, and they went in as a sheet was placed over Dad, and he was declared dead. And my Uncle Walt said, stop. And, of course, you know, medical people, sometimes they have people that kind of lose it, and uh, they can't take a death. Well, this one was arrested. <laughs> They, they said, okay, you can have a few more minutes. Well, Granny's talking in tongues, and she declares him healed, and he comes back to life. And within about a week, he was home. And his, his spirit was completely open to spiritual truth, and no one told him. No one sat him down and said, Gene, you experienced the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and now you need to open up your heart and make him Lord. So dad went pursuing spiritual things. Edgar Casey and these light witchcraft type books. And he became completely demon-possessed. Flash forward to, you know, 1959 or 60, and, uh, and dad was completely possessed of the devil. He said he pondered at times killing himself, killing his whole family. He was just tormented by the demonic powers. He had gotten to where he could levitate objects by mind. He thought it was mind control. And, uh, and mom was raising us kids. And so uh, there were uh, five of us at the time. Angela hadn't been born yet, but Don was just a uh, baby born stone deaf. And so one night, Uncle Leo, who comes to church here, I don't know if Uncle Leo's here today. Uh, he's, probably, he's probably out doing something, maybe got in a fight at Walmart or something. I don't know where Uncle Leo is. But uh, <laughs> doing county time, picking up uh, cans right now. 
And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, Uncle Leo had gotten saved, and, and he's younger than Dad, and, and then an aunt on Mom's side, and they conspired to try to get Mom saved. So a group of Assembly of God people from the little church in Phoenix were, were together, and so they're, they're witnessing to her, and she's thinking they're idiots, you know? She said her blouse was low, and she's just not born again at all. And one of them began to speak in tongues, and the other prophesied or interpreted and said, if you'll bow your knee to me tonight, I'll heal your son. Mom said she had no inclination to, to love God, but because of her love for her child, she, she bowed her knee before God, and someone stepped into the room where the baby was and snapped their finger, and he began to cry from pain. Don was instantly healed then. Mom said the minute she bowed her knee to the Lord, she felt hot oil come on her, and the first thing she thought was, I'm not dressed appropriately. Meanwhile, she's married to a demon-possessed man. And he's thinking that all these religios were just stupid. And he had real power. Well, again, the prayer, now mom's just lit on fire for God. And all these people, they're smelling a victory here. They're doubling down in their prayer. So what did the Lord do? The Lord let Satan manifest himself to dad. So one night, he's laying in bed, and all of a sudden, dad said he looked up, and it was the darkest he'd ever seen. Darker than any night he'd ever walked out into. And the devil began to speak to him. You think that you, you control you're under my control. And dad panicked. And he woke up mom. June, June, get those, the preacher and that team here. And they came there. And Harold MacDonald, the pastor, was dealing with dad. And the demons are talking out of dad. And, one, and the demon spoke through my dad and said, I don't feel sorry for Jesus. It's Judas that I feel sorry for. And so... So, you know, dad is just, he's not talking, it's talking through him. And dad said that what, 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 what ended his, his walk with Satan was he looked in the preacher's eyes and had to turn him away. He said, when I looked into his eyes, I saw the eyes of God, pure love toward me. And he said, I couldn't, I couldn't stand the purity of those eyes. But he yearned for that. That night, they cast out the demons. And when dad turned to the Lord, you know, he took his alcohol and he poured his bottles down the drain and he served the Lord and is with him forevermore. That's a long, long uh, introduction to agape. Because agape is a little bit difficult to define. You know, it's like, you know, we have theological terms. <laughs> I like what Jack Zavada said. He said, agape is a term that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is his ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing concern for lost and fallen people. God gives us love without condition, unreservedly to those who are undeserving and inferior to himself. Now, it's very interesting, as I shared my story about my dad, how many people have come to Christ in this valley? 
because of that deliverance. <laughs> How many of you know that everything that happens in the kingdom of God is seed? Just keep sowing it. There was another account of a man that was really troubled in a place called Gadara. Society had written him completely off. He was called the demoniac of Gadara. He had a whole legion of demons in him, so possibly up to 8,000 demons. And when Jesus landed, this, something inside of this guy needed Jesus. And he comes tearing down from the hills where he had been up at a cemetery gashing himself and crying at night, bound and breaking the chains, but not having the chains broken on his life. And he met the agape love of God where Jesus treated him like a human, cast out the demons. They, they zoomed out of him and it was the first historic account of deviled ham. Those pigs ran into the, ran into the ocean. That was the attempt at humor. The love of God. The love of God is so often better caught than taught. You can't theologically wrap your mind about what it is. It's God's way of doing business. It's so far different than ours. I find it even among Christians. We define Christian love as like, I'll tolerate you. I'll tolerate you. Like, I don't have anything against, and you fill in your blank, and your favorite sinners, you know. I don't have anything with, against thieves, and I don't have anything against people who struggle morally, and, you know, I tolerate them. Toleration is different than agape. Because agape invests. Agape isn't static where, you know, I'm not going to bother you. I'm not going to jump, jump the fence and mess with your backyard. Don't jump the fence and mess with my backyard. That's not agape love. That's a form of tolerance. And so agape, according to Vine's dictionary, it expresses the deep and constant love and interest of a perfect being that's aimed at entirely unworthy objects, producing and fostering a reverential love in them towards the giver and a practical lover towards, love towards those who are partakers of the same and a desire to help others to seek the giver. Think of it. Don't you love God's commands? Hey, a new commandment I give to you. I want you to agapao. I want you to love your, I want you to love each other, the other disciples as I've loved you. Whoa, you laid your life down. I'm just trying to tolerate my fellow Christians. Nope, the scribes and Pharisees were working on that. Our righteousness needs to ex exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Agape is not only what God does for us, which how many found out that every time you stumble, he's quick to say, you're forgiven. Let's go again. Let's go again. And we need to have that same kind of a love and patience for one another. I've got some scriptures here that I believe will show us agape. And uh, I'll try to move right along here. Number, uh, number one, it's life sacrificing. <laughs> 1 John 3, 16 and 17 says... By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. 
I, I love how God just, you know, gives you, you know, I'm thinking if you're going to teach me love, maybe, maybe we ought to start with taking some clothes down to Salvation Army. Hey, you know, you need to be, care about your fellow human. Let me demonstrate here. Let's take some, some clothes, donate them to Goodwill or to Salvation Army so you can get on the love training. God's kind of radical. Now, I'm not going to take you in like easy does it steps. No, I'm going to start with, I'm going to die myself and rise from the dead so you can know what love is. Uh, walking in God, love's kind of an all or nothing thing. There's no like small step to it. <laughs> it's life sacrificing. And Jesus got us in it. He said, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So many churches are just simply gas stations. You need a little bit of praise, go to this church, praise church. You need a little bit of word, go to the teaching church. You need a little bit of, you know, Family, go to joy. Do you know what? <laughs> the secret sauce of joy is called covenant living. It's called, we do this all the time. You, you don't need someone to kind of treat you loving one week. How many of you know if we're really going to help you, it's like on and on and on and I'll tell you, I've, I've, I've graduated from helping a number of people. I've walked with tears to say goodbye at their grave. Hello? And I've had many people over the years unlove me when I still loved them and they said no. That's all right. But you know, agape loves. I tell people sometimes that have left joy and maybe, some, maybe they didn't even leave good. I tell them, you know what? The fact that we continue to grow means numerically we're not hurting because you left. I'm hurting because I love you. It doesn't matter if we grow to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. I still will always hurt because why? Because agape is sacrificial. It's family. It's family. And I have pastors that want to know, well, what do I do? What programming do I need to do? Family and agape is more than a program. It's a complete culture of God. And, and you never get so good at it that you, you need to, well, you know, when I got perfected. No. Second thing is agape creates identity. First John chapter 3 one and following. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I know that, that I watch a great number of you. You're, you're actively working in the sanctification process. You're actively cooperating with the, with the conviction of the Holy Spirit to put away things that are negative and, and to hold on to that which is good. 
And the reason is, is because we have been made children of God. I like what Hebrews says, it said concerning Jesus, that he did not, was not ashamed to call us brethren. Hello? Talk about man. Why would you introduce all your dysfunctional relatives, Jesus? You know, maybe you should have just stayed like way up above us. No, he's in the pack. And, and when you, I, I'm talking to you if you're listening to me, so don't think I'm talking to somebody up in Roseburg right now. I'm talking to you. When you're weird and dysfunctional and stupid, Jesus is right there saying, that's my girl. That's my boy. Yeah, but, you know, you should deny it. No, I don't do that. I'm not in the denying business. I'm in the convicting. Sometimes I even spank. But throwing you away is not part of what I do. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. I don't know about you. I could probably get a little Pentecostal and dance a jig up here about that. Our God does not deny us. That's agape. It initiates. 1 John 4.10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You notice that all of these are in New King James, except this one, I put it in New Living Translation because it said, he's our propitiation. And I thought, that's a big word. Let's go use the New Living. He's our sacrifice. God initiated salvation. Nextly, it's a culture and it's a lifestyle. 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love to agape one another. Man, I can tell it right now. I can just sense that there's like this rototiller and, 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 and seed that God is sowing in our hearts. We're, we're going to leave here and, 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 and you're going to go, well, I don't know. I, you know, something happened. I, I think I got infected at church. I'm <laughs> suddenly, I'm, I'm, I'm just not even thinking about it, but I'm more patient with people. I'm less prone to just judge somebody and throw them away. Because that agape that we really need, I don't want to be thrown away. On my final days, when I'm reaching up with my feeble hand, and I know within minutes I'm crossing over, I want to sense, like my mom used to sing a, call, a song called, I Don't Want to Cross Jordan Alone. Jordan is kind of a, a metaphorical picture of the river of death. I don't know about you, but when I'm weak and I can no longer do anything, I really am glad that my God says, I won't throw you away. What that challenges me to do is enter into that culture and feel that way about everybody else. Does this person come to joy? Oh, they've attended here. What? It's one of your elders. No, it's, he's one of the brethren. Amen. We need to be able to identify with each other, live in a culture of, of loving one another. 1 John 4, 16 is kind of our flagship uh, verse for this series. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. God doesn't act loving. God doesn't become love. God is love. You, you try to boil him down 
The irreducible, irreducible component of who God is, is he's love. When he built the universe, it was built from love. When he made you and I, it was built from love. When he redeems the, the world, it's built from love. That's why perishing is such a waste of human resource. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. The next one, agape brings confidence of, of, of your standing before God. 1 John 4, 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. If you were to stand before the throne of God, and they said, are you guilty? You say, let me offer my plea. My plea is the blood of Jesus. By, by, by the standard of court, I'm guilty. I've sinned one or more times. I'm guilty, and I've earned eternal death and separation. But my plea is the, is the love and the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. That gives us confidence that we can face the judgment and just say, hey, I'm not in here trying to act like I'm a better bag of potato chips or nothing. I'm just in here to say, thank you, God, for a savior. John Newton that wrote Amazing Grace, they say that when he died, he said this, he said, I am a great sinner. I have a great savior. Powerful, powerful words. Agape evaporates fear and insecurity. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in its love, in love. The next one, agape invests in the object of its desire. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I was at the uh, <clears throat> uh, mechanics uh, shop, John's Auto, oh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and so one of the guys that works there, Dean, knows me, and he pulls up in this nice sports car. Goes, hey, Steve, this is what you need to drive. And I look at it, and I go, oh, yeah, that's cool, you know, the nice, nice wish. And then Dean goes and pulls around, and on the back it said Maserati. So after we pay off the church, we have another fundraiser. <laughs> uh, now, I don't know about you, but I'm used to, like, names on cars like Ford, Chevy, Dodge, Chrysler, you know? I, you know, I, Pantera, I've never, never driven one. Tesla, I want to drive one of those. The Maserati looked pretty cool, too. And, uh, and uh, so people place value on certain items. And so I don't know what a Maserati would cost. 300000 maybe? Maybe more? And there are people that, like, write the check. They've got the money. So you can tell the value of something by what people are willing to pay, you know? And so when you look at God saying, I didn't redeem you with, you know, chump change. 
You were redeemed. You were bought back from darkness and bondage by the precious blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, don't you dare leave here with low self-esteem. I'm worthless. Really? And that much of a payment was made for you? Trust me, you are better than a Maserati. Yeah. The final uh, scriptural bullet point, and then we're going to have just a review, is that this agape is everlasting. John 3.16 says, For God so agaped the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. This word perish comes from a Greek uh, root like apollon, apollone. And Apollyon is the destroyer that's listed in the book of Revelation. Complete devastation, complete crushing is what it means in here in perishing. It's not just like, oh, you know, you're going to have a bad consequence. It's like you're going to go into a complete mess of utter destruction. All against the stated will of God. For God so loved the world. He loved you. He loved I. That he gave his son. That whoever believes. Whether you're poor. Whether you're strung out. Whether you're bitter. Whether you're hurt. If you can put your trust in Jesus. He wants to give you everlasting life. Everlasting life. Last service, I was talking about taking a trip. Have you ever, have you ever been on a, you know, you're going to spend an afternoon with someone who's just like scratching a chalkboard? You know, they're just like. Aah! So we, we kind of determine who we want to hang with by our tolerance level. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could spend three days, you know, and, uh, you know, go, go on this, uh, to this conference with this guy before I want to, like, kill myself. Come on now, be honest. We've all had those feelings. Some of you had them towards me. Um, but think about God who says, you know what? I want to spend eternity with you. You're not going to wear me out in a weekend. You're not going to wear me out because you got flaws. I love you so much. I love you. And I want to live with you forever. Siempre. Yo tengo las ganas para vivir con ustedes. Siempre. Todos los edades. Through all the ages. The agape love of God has shown in darkness. That love of God has shown abroad in our hearts. I don't know about you. Is there anyone here that's kind of a good, a, kind of addicted to agape? It's easy to get used to being loved. Finding that God's favor is not fair. How many have found that God's favor is not fair? Certain things he just does. They're so amazing. You didn't earn them. I don't know about you. I'm really tired of standard religion. I want to hang out with the homeboys. Now, when we look at each other, we just cry from time to time because we're so amazed that God let us in. When my dad looked in the eyes of love, 
He said, Stephen. And he would probably tell each of us individually. He probably said, Angela, Cindy. I looked in those eyes of love and it changed me. I never saw anything like that in my life. He got to see him again. He gets to live with him. Siempre. Always. Sorry, you guys. I'm getting ready to preach now. Time's up. Can you feel the love of God? Can you breathe it in? Can you just shed all of your religious pandering and just say, I'm not worth a plug nickel. I'm a great sinner, but I have a great Savior. I don't want to go to church and try to out-religion anybody. I just want to come with my homies and high-five and worship with all my heart because none of us deserve this, this grace thing that God has for us. There's some conclusions I'm going to put up on the board and then we're going to stand up and pray. Wow. Here's the conclusions I've come through in this message. Being dead in our sins, we were incapable of apprehending God. Secondly, God took the initiative to save us from perishing. Number three, God raises up his family name and identity. Number four, God raises us up to abide in his culture, to abide in love. Number five, God continually invests in us. Getting saved is not the end. Getting saved is where all of a sudden your dad says, I love you. You've been begotten into a lively hope. Now that my name is upon you, David and Jeremiah and you guys who got baptized, the name of Jesus was put on you. And with it comes his favor. With it comes his protection. With it comes his Holy Spirit who will teach you and train you. <coughs> he continually will invest in you. And finally, this love and life does not end at the grave, but is everlasting. Could we stand together? <coughs> Man, I just feel like hugging all of you. Don't line up though, I don't have the time. I have the heart too. I feel the love of the Father for you. Day after day, people come into church and they're saying, I've been thrown away everywhere I've gone. I wonder if God will throw me away. I'm so glad we're Christians. I'm glad that we serve Jehovah God, this loving God who's not so she. He's not pretentious. He's so loving. He loves you and I. And week after week, people come in here and they, they don't know. Come here from Sikkim as far as what it is to be a Christian. I just know I kind of want in. And that's all that God wants. He just says, hey, to be a part of my family, I'll do the heavy lifting, but you have to believe and you have to call.
You have to be able to take that cash that Jesus paid and take it to the bank of heaven and say, I'm calling in. I need to be saved. I need God's forgiveness. Right now, if we could close our eyes and bow our heads. In early service, we had two and possibly more people that received Jesus. I believe there's a great number of you that are here and you've been maybe even trying to clean yourself up to be worthy of God, but you can't clean yourself up. That's what coming to Jesus is. He's the greatest cleanser. If you're here today and you say, I need God, pastor, what we're gonna ask you to do is just raise your hand and then later on, we're all gonna pray together. So what you're saying is, preacher, I, I want God. If you're here and you say, I want God and you, you haven't known him, or maybe years ago you walked with God and you've spent a lot of years just not walking with him. Right now, let's all lift our hands. Those of us that wanna join God, I see a hand in the back. Come on, come on, come on. If you're here, see another hand here. Come on, get your hands up, y'all. Those of you who say, I, I, want it, I want to know the living God. I see another hand here. We're gonna pray. I love praying this prayer because I mean it every time. I invite God into my life every day. He's still there, he's never left, but it's like renewing my vow to the Lord. Let's pray this prayer, could we? Pray with me. Dear Father, I need you. I'm amazed at what the Bible teaches. How considerate you've been to keep me from perishing. You sent the Son, Jesus Christ, who laid his life down for me. And he purchased me by his blood, which washes away my sin. Right now today, Dear Father, I'm going to take you at your word. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. Save me now, Lord. You also said if I would call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away the shame out of my life. I want to walk with you, Father. Please take me by the hand. I need your strength. Dear God, if you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day, dear Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.